For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. How protected are your children at school? What WREL found out works the best to help stop mass shootings and find weapons on campus. Then, at least four school buses and a high school in Wake County vandalized. How another graffiti case nearby could be connected. A big announcement today between Methodist University and Cape Fear Valley Health System. I've reached an agreement to create Methodist University School of Medicine. We'll tell you what this means for rural communities. I'm tracking waves of showers. I'll outline the timing and the totals tonight. Well, if you're heading out this evening, grab an umbrella because it's already starting to rain in our area. Good evening. I'm Deborah Morgan. And I'm Dan Haggerty. A live look at Chapel Hill right now. Uh, you can see the wet roads. Meteorologist Kat Campbell in the WRL Severe Weather Center tracking the system for us tonight. Kat, Kat when uh, and who will see the most rain? Areas that see some of these isolated thunderstorms would see the most rain. Elsewhere, it's not going to add up to much in your rain gauge. It'll be less than a quarter of an inch of rain for us tonight. A few sprinkles right now moving through the triangle headed for Durham, as well as the airport and the north side of Raleigh. It's the northwestern part of our viewing area seeing the rain right now, but this is not the main event. Still, this main line of showers is off to the west, passing through the mountains and the foothills. That's expected to arrive later on tonight. As we move toward 8 o'clock, you can see it really closing in on the area. I think it would be once we get past 830 in the 9 to 10 o'clock time frame when we see the most widespread rain and that's when we could see an isolated thunderstorm embedded in this 9 o'clock. You can see some red indicating heavier rain in those storms as well. By 10 o'clock some showers around and a small chance for rain in our eastern counties by 11 o'clock. Midnight most areas are dry and then we get a little bit of a break before our next round of rain. I'll track our incoming rounds of rain at the end of the week coming up. All right, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thanks, Kat. I'm Mark Boyle in the WREL Live Center. Raleigh Police just releasing some information about a crash we first told you about early this morning involving five people all injured. Here's some video from the scene. This happened off of Rock Quarry at Crosslink Road. The driver of that Saturn right there lost control and slammed into that tree. Inside the sedan, Two adults and three juveniles all rushed to the hospital with serious injuries. Police just confirmed that charges are now pending, uh, believed to be against the driver of that Saturn. No names have been released yet. This case does still remain under investigation. Police do say that the driver was traveling at a high rate of speed when they lost control and hit that tree this morning. Back to you, Mark. Thank you. Traffic back up for miles this evening during the busy rush hour commute. This is after a car fire shut down two lanes of I-40 westbound in Orange County. WRAL's Eric Miller has more from the breaking news tracker. I'm Eric Miller in the WRAL breaking news tracker. This afternoon, traffic finally back to normal after a multi-vehicle fire shut down lanes of I-40 for hours. You take a look at some of these photos that a viewer sent in. You can see those flames consuming not just a car, but a tow truck there as well. It's all happened sometime this morning, and it took more than five hours for crews to get those flames extinguished and get those vehicles out of the way. At one point, crews actually had to use a snowplow to scrape debris off of the roadway. 
there. Now, all lanes of 40 westbound here between Eppland and Hillsborough that were blocked, they have reopened and traffic is flowing as normal. Right now, we're still working to learn what exactly caused this fire, caused the initial accident, and whether or not anybody was injured here this afternoon. We'll bring you those answers as soon as we get them. In Hillsborough, Eric Miller, WRAL News. Tonight, we've learned the vandalism at a Triangle Area High School may not be an isolated incident. This is video of the most recent uh, incident here at Garner Magnet High School. And you can see graffiti all over these school buses. WRL's Destiny Patterson explains where else this has happened. Graffiti was spray painted on four of these school buses and the building itself. And Garner PD tells us that there was also graffiti reported at a shopping center less than a mile away. Now they're trying to figure out who did this and why. I was the first to tell Bernice Bethia that the school where she used to work was vandalized over the weekend. There's actually graffiti on the building. Are the you serious? Are you serious? Oh, God, that's not cool. Robert Clevenger's reaction of disbelief was similar. No, I hadn't heard about it, so. But I think it is pretty sad. Students and staff returned to a vandalized campus at Garner Magnet High School. At least four buses in the building are covered in spray paint. It was all over the walls and then all over windows and a door, too, on that side. They say nothing like this has happened at the school before. However, police say a separate report was filed for graffiti at PetSmart and Office Max nearby. They say vandalism has been reported in this shopping center numerous times. I wish that oh, people actually valued what we have. Historically, Garner PD says it can be difficult to identify the suspects involved in incidents like these, but they're hoping surveillance video will help them identify the person or people who did this. The school district says that it's aware of the incident. Based on some of the numbers and words that were on the buses, I asked Garner PD if they would be investigating this as if it were gang related. They said that graffiti is often gang related and that they will be investigating that in this case as well. Destiny Patterson, WREL News, Garner. Let's go in depth tonight on something that just won't go away. Another kid brought another gun to another school today. I doubt you're surprised. Why would you be? It's the 13th school this month, which is a big number for our shortest month. 13 guns at 13 different schools. So what do we do about it? Everybody is calling on, on something to be done, but what? More resource officers, metal detectors, a, a moat and drawbridge? At this point, it seems people will try just about anything just to get a peace of mind. But what actually works? Let's take a moment and go in depth. Here's WRL's education insider, Emily Walkenhorse. Making schools safe requires a variety of experts. That's according to five different school safety experts. School violence can take many different shapes and have many different causes, according to Xing Fang Xu, a researcher at the University of Michigan. There's no one size fits all solution. That's why um, we hesitate to say, oh, you should do this um, and forget about the other. Metal detectors are rarely used in schools, but parents and others commonly suggest them as a solution when a weapon is found on campus. But security technology researcher Connor Healy said metal detectors are an imperfect solution. He said they won't stop mass shootings and they may not find every weapon. So the best case for, for metal detectors in schools is that they'll prevent students from concealing a smaller weapon, like uh, a handgun or a knife. 
you know, in their bag, for example, and bringing that into a school. But experts agree on several potential ways to help make schools safer. Anonymous tip lines, training for staff and students on recognizing suspicious behavior, doors that lock from the inside, bullying prevention, safe gun storage practices at home, and minimizing the publicity of threats and shooters to prevent copycats. Gun violence researcher Jacqueline Schildkraut said tip lines are critical, but tips have to be followed up on. If you're wanting to prevent the next Uvalde, you have to educate people about what the warning signs are. You have to empower them to report. Experts also offer worried parents a little bit of perspective. It's also important to recognize that schools compared to most other places are one of the safest places that children can be. Emily Walkenhorst reporting there for us. And I'm curious what you think about this topic. As you know, uh, for these in-depth segments, you tell me what you're thinking, what your opinions are, and we'll start uncovering that. Spend a little bit of time talking about what you want to talk about. So email me at dan at wrl.com. Tell me your thoughts on securing our schools, and we'll go in-depth. The state health department will delay the start of a program meant to help people with disabilities. The program would serve people with complex behavioral health conditions, intellectual and developmental disabilities, or traumatic brain injuries. The state says it needs more time to organize contracts with additional providers. The program was supposed to start on April 1st. It's now delayed to October. A handshake seals the deal, and North Carolina's sixth medical school is going to be located now at Methodist University in Fayetteville. The school is partnering with Cape Fear Valley Health System to make it happen. WRL's Fayetteville reporter Gilbert Bays was there when the partnership was announced and explains what this means for the local community. Well, the announcement comes really as no surprise. Methodist University already has a premier nursing program and physician's assistance program. Now they're going to have a medical school. I've reached an agreement to create Methodist University School of Medicine. This afternoon's press conference on the campus of Methodist University lasted about 30 minutes, but its importance will be felt for generations to come. Methodist University has partnered with Cape Fear Valley Health System to create a medical school. Its mission? Graduate doctors who focus on providing better medical care for rural and underserved populations. Doctors who will live, work, and stay in those communities. Their statistics, 70% of the students, if they do their medical school and their physician residency in a community, they stay. And that makes sense because they develop relationships. They might meet someone. Their mentors are here. Their mentors might offer them a job. The $50 million facility will be built on the campus of Cape Fear Valley Medical Center in Fayetteville, where they recently expanded their graduate medical education program. Methodist University will lease the space from the hospital and run the medical school. The university already offers a number of degrees in health-related fields. We prepare physician assistants, we prepare physical therapists, occupational therapists, nurses, and healthcare administrators already, and this is just going to add to that. Dr. Reardon says the medical school at Methodist University also provides great opportunities for students at Fayetteville State University. There are great opportunities for collaboration here. I mean, just to begin with, a pre-med program that could feed directly into this. But there are so many opportunities around health sciences generally, since both schools are engaged in health sciences. Now, this is going to be a great program for the community. We're told that it will begin in 2026. In Fayetteville, Gilbert Bays, WREL News. 
The partnership between Methodist University and Cape Fear Valley Health will also contribute to the economic development of the region. The new medical school is expected to create jobs, attract new businesses, and provide a significant boost to the local economy. Extra benefits that have helped thousands of North Carolina families is ending this week. Coming up, what day the boost in SNAP ends and how much money some families could lose. And big news for North Carolina Central University. One professor is awarded a $500,000 grant. Coming up, we talk with her live about how this will help preserve the history of women in Durham. Live from WRAL News Headquarters in Raleigh, your number one source for local news. WRAL News, coverage you can count on. Starting Wednesday, thousands of North Carolina households will lose their SNAP benefits. That's the federal program that helps people put food on the table. Since the pandemic began, the program got extra emergency funds. Families will get about $95 less each month on average. Some could lose as much as $250. A professor at NC Central University is standing out after being awarded the school's first ever Mellon Foundation grant. She's Dr. Rochelle Gold, the associate professor of English, was awarded $500,000 for her project. That's a lot of money. Joining us now live is the professor behind this initiative. Good evening, Dr. Gold. Thank you so much for joining us. What will this money be used for? Thank you so much for asking and for having me. The money will fund a course that will be taught 12 times over three years and the students will be receiving a, a fellowship to learn all kinds of skills related to videography, photography, archival research, oral history, and uh, interviewing skills. And they'll be interviewing black women who've graduated from NCCU, who've made a contribution in racial justice, social equality, gender rights, and any other field related to minimizing disparities. How much of this uh, money will be used to actually uncover perhaps new history about NCCU? Well, the half of the funds will go directly to students. And so the, the plan is for, we'll do 60 interviews over the course of three years because the students will be working in teams. So 120 students, the goal will be 60. And I'd, I'd really like the students to explore some of the rural counties in North Carolina where we may not have heard about people mm -hmm. uh, who have contributed, women specifically who have contributed to, as I said, racial justice, social equality, uh, health disparities. So I'm, I'm hoping it will not just be the triangle and the triad, but some of our, some of our counties in the western mm -hmm. part of the state or some of the eastern part of the state as well. The That's Alumni Foundation will help us great. identify the women as well as the archival research. That's perfect. Now, anyone who has ever applied for a grant knows this is not an easy process. So talk to me about how you went through that. And, and I know it's a, it's a very long process too. It, it is a very long process. May 16th was when the wow. initial proposal was due and it was smaller pieces of what came to be this large proposal that took about 300 labor hours of mine to revise it and hone it and polish it. And so the Mellon did provide uh, grant readers to give me feedback, but it was uh, the, and after August 24th when I was chosen as a finalist, every two weeks a new draft was due related to the budget or how I would spend the money. And it was, it was fun to actually think uh, very creatively and use my imagination about if one were given $500,000, how would one spend it? 
So that part of it was was delightful. Uh, and using, again, my creativity to think, how could I help my colleagues? How could I help students? How could I make sure we were responsive to the Durham community, as well as thinking about partners? Uh, we have partnerships with Duke, as well as UNC Chapel Hill on this grant. In, in just a few seconds, how can you wrap this up to what this grant will mean to NCCU? This will establish NCCU as the keeper of important oral histories of voices of women who have been who haven't been heard. For example, we have one graduate who's 106 years old. Wow. I want to make sure that her voice and her experiences as a centarian uh, and all of the civil rights changes that she's seen that that is preserved on our NCCU libraries homepage so that it will be searchable for the public and have all of these audio and video archives of these women's accomplishments preserve in perpetuity. I can't wait to see this. Dr. Rochelle Gold, congratulations and thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Well, let's take a live look over Dick's Park tonight. The sun has finally set. As the days get a bit longer, parks in Wake County are staying open later. Today, officials announced Wake County Parks will now remain open until 7 p.m. Since clocks fell back for daylight savings in November, the parks have been closing at 6 p.m. Kat Campbell joining us now to talk about the changes we're about to witness here in the weather. Got some rain moving in. Yes, we do. And the rain right now in North Raleigh. We also have a few spotty showers right around Person County and moving up into Mecklenburg County, Virginia. But the bulk of the rain is on the north side of Raleigh at this point. We'll continue to see a few spotty showers move through over the next hour. But really, the main line of showers still back to our west. And that doesn't get here until after about 8.30 or 9 o'clock tonight. Rain chances peak by 9, 10 o'clock with that main band moving through. Can't rule out an isolated thunderstorm as it passes by. By 11 o'clock, just a small chance, and we're pretty much dry by midnight. Current temperature 67 still out this evening. The cloud cover really locking in our mild temperatures that we've seen today. 67 was actually the high out at RDU, and we remain there. We will see winds picking up tonight. It'll be a gusty wind. We could see some winds upward of 30 miles per hour overnight. So just a heads up, it'll be warm and windy as we see these showers pushing in. We do have the band of showers that's passed through the North Carolina mountains at this point. It's closer to the foothills, the triad. This is what we're watching. The core of the energy with this system, though, is staying to the north, and it's brought a lot of snow to areas up north, headed for the northeast now, likely to dump some measurable snow. And the northeast just hasn't seen much snow at all this year. So it's significant for that. But another storm system on the way later this week, this could bring a few rounds of rain. One Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Another Thursday night into early Friday and then we'll be watching Friday very closely. Potentially our last round of rain could come with some stronger storms, but we really need to get closer to Friday to pinpoint high resolution model data to get a better idea of the energy in the atmosphere. For now, let's take a look at the wider resolution model data that we have here on Futurecast. With a warm front nearby, we've got some showers moving through from west to east Wednesday night into Thursday morning. We get a little break potentially Thursday before another round fills in Thursday night into early Friday morning. But this would be the final and the main band that we're going to be watching for for perhaps some strong to severe storms as the cold front moves through behind that system. We dry out for the weekend, but 
as we've seen for the past several weeks and pretty much all of February, it does look like we cool down again for the weekend. For tomorrow, it's beautiful. It's going to be dry tomorrow, mostly sunny and warm. Make your outdoor plans tomorrow. 77 degrees in the Triangle, 80 in Fayetteville, 74 degrees in Roxborough. A nice day tomorrow to head out to the playground, 60 at 8 a.m. by noon, 73. And then during the afternoon, temperatures in the mid to upper 70s. That's about 15 to 20 degrees above normal for this time of year, even though we're getting close to March. Rain chances start to climb Wednesday night, lasting through Friday. We have some more dry days on the way for the weekend. It will cool down this weekend with high temperatures in the lower 60s, but it looks dry. And with the sunshine, the 60s should be feeling pretty good for the weekend. One thing to watch out for, though, are those 30s that you see there at the end of the seven day forecast. Lows could dip back in the upper 30s, and we've got to watch for any frosts or freezes for the farmers out there. All right, good advice. Thanks, Kat. Taking the plunge for a good cause. Coming up, how much money was raised by these folks who took a dip in the cold water? And you can listen to this newscast as a podcast. The WRL News Daily Podcast features entire newscasts from beginning to end. Morning, noon, evening, and the 7 p.m. newscast all as a podcast each day. You can find WRL News Daily in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. An ACC basketball legend and North Carolina native has died. Terry Holland was 80 years old. He was best known for his time as the head coach of the Virginia Cavaliers and later as the school's AD. Holland's career also included time as East Carolina athletic director. He grew up in Clinton and played college basketball at Davidson College. The ACC put out a statement reading in part, he was a true gentleman that embraced his players and colleagues as family. Crews will close a portion of a road in downtown Raleigh this week. We're talking about that small red line on the map you see there, West Davie Street from Dawson to McDowell. It will close for a crane setup. The work starts tomorrow at 7 a.m. The road will stay closed 24-7 until sometime on Friday. Well, officials are looking for your opinion on a possible sidewalk through Cape Hatteras National Seashore. It would make the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse and the Museum of the Sea more accessible. The 1.6-mile-long pathway would run along Lighthouse Road. The new pathway would allow for bicycles, electric bikes, and motorized wheelchairs. You can leave your comments on the proposal on the National Park Service's website. All right. In Chatham County, the Sheriff's Office, they raised more than $23,000 for the Special Olympics through the annual Polar Plunge Challenge. Like dressed up like the Mario nice. Kart. <laughs> uh, man, they jumped into that freezing water. They said this one made the biggest splash yet. 15 teams, more than 125 people jumped into Jordan Lake to support the Special Olympics of North Carolina. And they, they far exceeded their goal of $15,000. Well done. All every age group Just there helping out. A quick dip in and back out. Thanks, Thanks so much for joining us. See you at 10 and 11. Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice.